Thanks for listening to Middle Aged and Mediocre. I'm Cash. I'm Joel. And uh, we are a podcast about all things strange and unusual, death, UFOs, and other creepy, Cults. weird, random shows. There you go. Yeah. Not uh, just naming things in the room. Oh my god. There's a cult of ghosts. We're here with season two. Yeah. Episode one. We're back. It has been six weeks. It's been six, six weeks. weeks to talk to you. <laughs> uh, I'm glad we got our first song out of the way. Yeah, Just real right. quick, right to the point. That's the only reason I do this is for the singing. For the singing opportunity. Yep. We get plenty of them. Oh, good. But now we have been gone for, I think it's been six, six or seven weeks now. Uh-huh. Uh, Time is meaningless, so I don't know. It felt... Like a long time. It did. I think six weeks felt more like six months. We couldn't handle that hot girl summer. So right. We had to take we the end to take of it hot off. Girl yeah. summer off. Now it's fat fuck fall. Yeah, we're, we're back. Yeah, we're back. This is when we thrive. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we've been going for a little while. Uh, not really for any reason. We just kind of needed a break. Yeah. We got through 60 some episodes. In we're the first tired season. of each other. Yeah. I was like, if I see you again <laughs> before six weeks, <laughs> I'll kill you. Yeah. So, uh, but what have you been doing? You've been uh, comedy, I guess. Comedy, yeah. Comedy's been you know going on. You had a show, well, Friday night. Yeah, Friday night. Uh, the first Friday of every month, I'm at the Busy Bee in Marietta, Ohio. So I just got done doing that last Two night. Two shows a night. Two shows a night. Yeah. yeah. Plus going to like Chill Coffee and Jackson still, and just trying to get up on stage, man. Well, all right. I mean, yeah. I heard your whole set today on the way. Yeah. To the flea market. Pretty much. We went down to the Milton Flea Market. Uh-huh. In, uh, near Huntington. We, we, we tried we to haggle. We all kinds of things. Yeah, well, I got a couple things. Yeah, you tried to haggle, and the guy, like, the guy just lowballed you. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can't haggle like a good offer. So I went, like, I think $20 lower than what you would have. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I got a wee and a hat. Not a wee hat. Mm-hmm. It's a normal size hat, yeah. but I also got a wee Along with it. <laughs> oh, I got me a wee hat. I got a weird little mushroom guy. Uh huh. I don't know what he is. I don't know what he's from. He's got a slingshot, and I like him. Yeah, you like him. You're happy with him. I am. It was a little you got, more you, than you I got, think I should have paid. And you got some jerky. Did you yeah. pay uh, over four dollars for the little guy? Yeah, it was three. Three, I think, is fair. Really? Yeah, I think three is good. Like, like one. Where the hell are you gonna find that at? One to three. Well, he had four of them. Oh, really? So I feel like one dollar. Okay, be. yeah. So, so, so it was I would have stolen it. <laughs> uh, I don't, but yeah, they're from like a little video game, like the uh-huh. Skylanders thing there for a while. Okay, yeah. Where you'd plug in the action figures and they'd give you more. But you just like it because of the tripping aspect of the mushroom. mushroom yeah. Slingshot. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I have no clue what game it's from. Uh, whatever game that's from, though, I might want to play it. The Game of Life. The Game of Life. There's yeah. the second one. Uh, so, Is that a song? Yeah. That's the facts of life. Yeah, I mean, you said the game of life and it becomes a song too. So okay. All right, Weird Al. If you sing it, it's a song. <laughs> You're like the laziest Weird Al ever. You like just changed the first word. I mean, Weird Al's pretty lazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's not coming up. Like, he's not the most creative, brilliant guy in the world. Uh, some of it, it's in his, in his own way. He's like, I, you know, he said bad. I'm going to say fat. Uh huh. It's a three letter word. Kind of sounds the same. Was, yeah. Uh, he's brilliant. He's a genius. Weird Al, if you're listening, man, you're one of my favorites. Fuck what Cash says. Yeah, weird. I'll be a friend of the show. I'll <laughs> yeah. like you more. 
So yeah, not a whole lot's been going on. We took a little mm-hmm. bit of a break. Yep. Uh, there for a while, we were bringing you some news, just covering some news, not really getting too much into murder and uh, dark stuff. Yeah, like but how boy, oh boy, our bread and butter. Are we back today? Cool. With some dark shit. Awesome. So I need it. Uh, we're gonna get right into it because I'll let you guys know ahead of time. This is gonna be kind of a long episode. All right. Uh, for our first episode back, we're gonna give you like what would be like a two-parter. Typically, when we do this, so uh, we are going to talk about the cult known as the Children of God. Never heard of. Never them. heard of them. All right, they're also That's known good. as the Family from time to time, um, and yeah, they are uh, bad. Is it Charlie Manson? No. All right. No, but he was, yeah, he was known as a family. He had a family. Um, looking up the history real quick here. So, the Children of God. Uh, the founder of the movement was a former... Christian. Kind of sounds like a rap group. The Children of God? A little bit. A little, it could be. It's a good movie. Yeah. Or oh, The Children yeah. of Men is a good movie. All right. Uh, but so it was formed by a former Christian uh, missionary alliance pastor named David Berg. He was also known as Moses David, Mo, Father David, King David, and Dad. <laughs> but my friends call me dad <laughs> and then eventually he was known as grandpa huh. for the group's children uh, members of the children of God founded communes which they called colonies all around the world in various parts of the world uh, they would go out into the streets distribute literature new converts out here in them streets distribute literature these streets they out there in the streets yeah uh, the new converts who joined the movement had to memorize scripture verses I'm out <laughs> as soon as I gotta remember things yeah uh Berg communicated with his followers in his more than 3,000 published letters written over 24 years and called Mo Letters. <laughs> Very original. This guy was all about marketing. Yeah. Uh, the Children of God was technically disbanded in January of 1978 after Berg fired all 300 of his top leaders, uh, and we will get into why later. Uh, this period was called the Reorganization Nationalization Revolution by Berg. Uh, thing about Berg is he is anti anti Semitic. Um, often praised Hitler in his letters. Talked about what a good dude that was. That's not very cool, right? So uh, you're saying Berg like Berg B B E R G? Okay, yeah. I um, was thinking Berg like. It's very uh, uh, just a real piece of shit. Was this David Berg? Um, that's homo. That's what you really need to go into the story knowing. Daddy Mo, a, piece of shit. Real piece of shit. Okay. Um. So, yeah, we're gonna, that's kind of a little bit about them. We're going to get into... Sometimes people can change that, you know. They're not always a piece of shit. <laughs> but, you know, they used to go out, get some... Uh, Sloppy steaks, steaks, slick back hair. <laughs> oh, best show ever. So, in the late 1960s, uh, Karen Elva Zerby, good name, was a homely-looking girl with beautiful eyes, and she just was looking for love. Oh. Uh, in all the wrong places. Uh... She had a buck-tooth smile. She wore a pair of thick <laughs> Why is history so mean to this lady? Uh, Only buck-tooth. So there were some pictures of her. The smell that came off of this lady. Uh, she was very attractive. She looked a lot like, uh, give me like a little bit of Lisa Loeb vibes. Hi. So, you know. Um, she was sweet. I'll stay. But also kind of boring. A friend said that she just had no sparkle. Oh, man. So, now, don't feel too bad for her. All right. All right? Okay. <laughs> Honestly, when you, when you look back on this, that's the nicest thing. Like, they should say way worse things. 
she had one skill, and that was uh, taking like shorthand notes. Uh-huh. So she worked as a secretary in a lot of places she went. Um, her parents were disciplinarians. She lived in fear of them. Uh, her uh, her father would often use a wide leather belt on her. Uh, so she kind of stayed to herself. She was shy. Uh, but eventually she started going to uh, different churches and looking for groups. Yeah. Know, people that could be more her. So looking for that dick. Because uh, a lot of evangelical preachers would come through her dad's church. Uh-huh. And she would always see them up there and they'd make a really big impression on her. Um, so, yeah, you know, she ends up kind of looking in that direction for the next part of her life. So, in 1964, or in 1969, uh, Karen Zerbe, uh, left her, quit her job, and decided to check out a place in, a meeting in Phoenix called the Full Gospel Businessmen's Meeting, uh, attended by... She's not a man! But she knew there would be men there. All right. Uh, and this was attended by thousands of evangelical, evangelicals. Uh, she was drawn, uh, especially to a, a group in Huntington Beach, California, called Teens for Christ, and they were led by the 50-year-old preacher David Berg. Omo, Omo. Uh, he was kicked out as a pastor of a Christian Missionary Alliance church in Arizona in 1951 on suspicion of sexual misconduct. He was angry and bitter, and he wanted to move away from traditional Christian orthodoxy. Uh, so he was trying to sell that the modern world was corrupt and doomed and Jesus could come back to lead the Christian revolution, but he needed hundreds of idealistic young people to carry out this mission. Uh, Zerby ends up following the group to Huntington Beach. There at a coffee house called the Light Club, uh, Berg was dispensing his interpretation of the Bible to the hippies congregated in the area. Fucking hippies. Uh, reject society, he implored them. He had a long white beard and a prominent Adam's apple. Man! He a crazed Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, he looks a lot like, um, I saw a picture of him. I was watching a little bit of a documentary on this. Saw a picture of him, and he kind of looks like, I would say, if Santa Claus had, like, a meth problem. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Very strung out looking <laughs> at times. Uh, so to his followers, he was mesmerizing, though. He would ask, who are the real rebels of today? We are the true lovers of peace and truth and love and beauty and God and freedom. Whereas you, our parents, are on the brink of destroying and polluting all of us in our world. If we do not rise up against <laughs> He's you, like 50-something. <laughs> in the name of God and try to stop you. Us kids got to stick together, guys. <laughs> it reminds me of the uh, Steve Buscemi meme. Yeah, from 30 Rock. Hey, fellow teens. Uh, they even cheered as apocalyptic musings. America would soon be destroyed, he preached, for turning its back on Jesus. Berg himself, of course, would be the key player in the second coming, as he told his kids. Uh, he came to be known to his children as Moses, Moses David, or simply Mo. Uh, most of us were middle and upper middle class kids who found that chasing materialism didn't work and felt that there had to be something bigger and more satisfying, says uh, Vashti, a California teen beauty queen who joined the cult in 1969 and has since left. Uh, she asked that her, her last name not be used in this. Uh, she said that... Use they, it anyway. Uh, I'll make one up. Okay. Vashti, California. Uh, because we had it all, we were looking for the vacuum to be filled by God. We wanted to change the world. Uh, when somebody says they're speaking for God, your critical thinking skills shut down. 
says Judy, who also joined in 1969 at the age of 20. God is the ultimate power trip over people's minds, and Berg had a completely hypnotic way about him. See, my brain does the opposite. When somebody says they're speaking for God, my yeah. critical thinking skills go, no, you're not. Yeah, I tune it out. You're ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I gotta go. <laughs> so, they would, all the group would begin doing uh, missions. Um, you know, they would hit the streets and cities like New York and Washington, D.C. and Chicago. They would strum guitars, hand out stacks of literatures to passerbys in exchange for donations. In the early days, money raised on the mission field went primarily to charities. Uh, Berg stated that our duty is to the lost souls. And for a while, that's what they did. They traveled around, um, would get donations, and then donated to charity. About 125 members, um, after a short time, Karen Zerby joined in 1969. Uh, the group was already growing fast and was already well-defined. Berg and his followers lived uh, a life in their two main bases, a five-story building in L.A. and a ramshackle ranch in West Texas. Very uh, Charlie Manson. Yeah. You know. uh, no premarital sex was allowed, not even dating or kissing or hand-holding. A buddy was assigned to each new member, uh, followed the recruit everywhere, even into the bathroom. Berg named Karen Zerby his personal secretary, and she rarely left his side. Uh, he ruled as a dictator centralizing all decision-making power at the top. And he had a blowtorch temper, fueled by alcoholism. He often addressed the membership, the members drunkenly. Uh, Berg convinced himself and us that he was the greatest man who ever lived, second to Jesus, says Sam Ajamain, an early recruit. You did things his way or you were out. No other options or no other opinions were allowed. Members separated themselves from society, where they derisively, which they called the system. And any outsiders and anybody that stayed in society, they were called systemites. Dissolution <laughs> uh, of fame. Even Jer uh, Jeremy Spencer, he was the sly guitarist with the original Fleetwood Mac. He left the band in 1971 to join the Children of God. Oh. Uh, shaving his head and answering the name Jonathan. And then uh, the he's dead now, but the young he was a young actor, River Phoenix. Oh, yeah. He grew up in the group. Oh, wow. um, and so did uh, Rose McGowan. Yeah, and River Phoenix's brother, too, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin, so he probably would have been yeah, involved I'm, in it, too, yeah. yeah. Um, but then Rose McGowan, like, if anybody, because she's always getting shit online. And, uh -huh. like, she's kind of, so she's she comes from a pretty fucked up, you know, background. Um, life in the group was strict. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mornings began with Bible study. Uh, home leader then announced God's orders for the day, such as sweeping floors and cooking. Uh, leaving the home for any reason required formal permission. Berg's goal was simple, absolute control. He ordered Zerby to diet and change her hair and clothing. On his command, uh, some parents lived separately from their own children. <laughs> Unbeknownst to most of his followers, however, Berg was not practicing what, his, what he preached. Wait, what? <laughs> what? In the late spring of 1968, uh, Berg's domineering mother, Virginia, had died. Virginia Berg had terrorized her son. That uh, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, viciously beating him after discovering that a maid had fondled his penis. Oh. And threatened to castrate him as a punishment for compulsive masturbating. Uh, now, what's compulsive, okay? Uh, right. Can we get a definition here? Uh, yeah, compulsive is relative. <laughs> uh, so now, after years of repression, uh, Berg was 
his sexuality was blossoming, uh, you know, at age 50. Yeah. Uh, and the nature of the group was about to change forever. Karen Zerby is the kind of the cause of that change. So in April 6, 1969, barely three months after she joined the Children of God. Was she- it April 20th? 1969? I hope so. Because it would be 42069. Okay. So on 42069. Oh, shit. They was partying. Barely three months after she had joined the Children of Cult, God, uh, she began an affair with, with Berg. Naughty, uh, naughty. Mo swept aside scriptural morality and embraced polygamy, taking Zerby as a second wife. Uh, it seems so clear to Look, him. Look, I've had one wife, okay? Two of them? No, thank you, sir. Uh, it was clear to him because in the Bible, uh, Solomon, David, Abraham, they all had more They had more than one wife. Yeah. So why not Mo? You know what I mean? Why not? <coughs> Mo should have Mo wives. Mo wants Mo. So by midsummer, he had, ju- he had dumped uh, his first wife completely, though, after 25 years of marriage. Uh, it signaled a shift in his teachings that he... Or he, uh, he signaled the shift in his teachings in a letter sent out to his followers, one of the first of nearly 3,000 Mo letters written over the next 24 years, uh, which arrived with paragraphs number, numbered like passages from the Bible and were taken as scripture by the faithful. Berg announced he was replacing the old church with a new church, old wine with new wine. And no fucking with, with fucking. fucking. Uh, God <laughs> had told him to do this in a prophecy. Karen was a virgin until that time and starved for attention, says an ex-member. This was a relationship like nothing she had ever experienced. Many other sexualized prophecies followed. I'm going to put the Holy Spirit up in you, girl. Uh, gradually what Mo first, said. That's what he said. Then enthusiastically, Berg's followers bought his new line in much the same way that Mormons swallowed founder Joseph Smith's <laughs> proclamation that polygamy was the teaching of angels a century earlier. They swallowed Joseph Smith right down. Uh, it was a lifestyle that moved them closer to the Almighty. Mo wrote, if you'll even take a look at Bible history, you'll make the shocking discovery that most of God's greats had oodles of wives, women, mistresses, harlots, and what have you. Leaders of the communal homes took these words to heart, and the sexualization of the group spread. Wife swapping and orgies became sanctioned and scheduled events. <laughs> scheduled. Usually controlled by the men. They should open up that trailer park that we... <laughs> yeah, under- <laughs> trailer park? Yeah. Uh, Deborah Berg later recalled, My father was a man imprisoned by his own lusts, consumed with the desire to satisfy self, regardless of the consequences or the lives he would hurt or destroy. Fucking over everything. Uh, inside the Children of God... The more a young woman yielded to Berg, the more revolutionary she was considered. Uh, Vashti says, I was so indoctrinated at the time, I accepted what Berg did sexually without question. Even amid an increasingly zealous and unhinged flock, no one seemed more fervent than the former secretary from Tucson. Karen Zerby bought into Berg's doctrines and personal practices, heart, mind, body, and soul. Her, uh, she was naive, but that naive... that. Naiveness, naivety, was replaced by a fierce loyalty to him. She changed her name to Maria, and within the group, she was affectionately known as Mama Maria. That's so crazy that he changes their name just to, like, completely erase her identity. She changed her name. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure he... Wow. Yeah. I mean, she definitely lets him... Like, she buys into everything he says. Uh Uh-huh. He's charismatic. So, with the children of God... 
rejected or rejoiced. Where am I here? While the children of God rejoiced at creating their own insular world, outsiders were less enthralled. Uh, after losing contact with their kids, a group of parents began to publicly label, label the children of God a brainwashing cult and tried to kidnap their loved ones back from the communal homes. Uh, frightened, Burke and Zerby decamped to London in 1972 and established a base in a big empty factory given to them by a British millionaire. He never lived in the United States again. Uh, to avoid the prying eyes of systemites, the family discouraged property ownership of any kind. Berg instructed his flock not to vote, don't pay taxes, don't open bank accounts. Uh, homeschooling was widely practiced, and uh, few children were educated past high school. From London, as the sexual revolution raged on, Berg used his skewing, skewed reading of the Bible to justify more extreme displays of free love. Even rank-and-file members were now encouraged to engage in group sex. And younger and younger members were pulled in. Oh, I was going to say nice, and then teens became fair game. Never mind. Uh, so it was adults, you know, you cool. Know, do what you want. Yeah. Uh, gods in the business of breaking up little selfish private worldly families to make of their yielded broken pieces a larger unit. One family, one wife, Berg wrote in 1979, uh, From afar, even Berg's most bizarre sexual dictates were digested as holy gospel. A man perceived on paper is always more impressive than one known in the flesh. Deborah Berg later wrote, The less the disciples saw of Moses David, the more they would reverence the sacred image developed in the Mo letters. Uh, Berg broke down almost every sexual barrier. Any cult woman Mo wanted was available to pleasure him. Berg had his pick of the female followers, says an ex-member. He did not hesitate to call for somebody's wife, somebody's mother, and eventually someone's child. Maria would make sure he had them all. During the next two decades, Berg and Zerby lived apart from most of their followers in secret communes. Like nomads, they moved across Europe, South Africa, and the Far East. Berg's location, often a roomy rental property in the suburbs, was the group's most closely held secret. In that central home, a dozen or so of Berg's most loyal followers saw to his every need. Being with Berg reshaped Karen Zerby. The sweet young minister's daughter morphed into a mean-spirited schemer bent on manipulation, or bent on manipulating Berg and consolidating her power within the group. All paperwork destined for Mo first passed through her hands. <laughs> Maria controlled Mo with sex. He was fed by her sex, says Judy, the former member who married Berg's son Aaron, uh, and she fed him victims to solidify the control to gain power over him. David. Berg desperately wanted a male heir to his X-rated throne. The book of Revelations <clears throat> predicts that two of God's prophets will emerge at the end time. In Berg's interpretation, one would be Zerbi, the queen. He hoped the other would be his son, the king. Together they would make fire, come out of heaven, and oppose the Antichrist. This king, Berg told his followers, must be his own creation, a work of art, a young man who would obey him unconditionally, something his four children with his former wife, Jane, the old wine, never did. <laughs> there you have a son, not him, like a new one. Uh, toward that end, and to bolster recruitment, Berg started preaching a radical new sexual gospel. The first step, Karen Zerby had to take ballroom dancing lessons. When her footwork was good enough, she hit some London night, sp night spots as bait. Her first catch was an Englishman whom Maria invited into her bed. Later, uh... He took up with another woman in the group. 
and Maria return to clubs to seduce other lonely, affluent men and lure them into the cult. This began what was known as flirty fishing. <laughs> Berg, had been, <coughs> Berg had been inspired by Jesus' statement in the Bible, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Soon the most attractive young cult women were trained to approach men in bars and casinos and offer up their bodies in an attempt to convert the targets. Or better yet, to enlist their financial support, which often lasted for years. Uh, God's going to put so much love in your heart for them, for the fish, that you're going to want to take them to bed, Berg wrote. The fish included Arab oil millionaires, international financiers, military officers, and more. Uh, venereal disease was rampant among the flirty fishers. <laughs> Imagine! As were unwanted pregnancies, which produced Jesus babies. Hardly a surprise since Berg forbade any birth control. Some fishers... It just doesn't feel the same, okay? It feel the same. <laughs> Some fishers <laughs> dropped any pretense and just worked straight up as prostitutes for escort services. Uh, through it all, though, group leaders kept careful score. By the fall of 1988, records show cult women had loved 223,311 fish. Loved. <laughs> uh, cult women with impressive flirty fishing track records became known, known as soul shiners. <laughs> There's video. Uh, oh, my God. The documentary I found for this. Uh, These motherfuckers need Jesus. Like There's video of them like filming themselves doing like out in the park uh -huh. and stuff. And... I mean, just, of course, like, the oldest men, like, but you know they have money. Yeah. You know, but, like, they're, like, hanging all over them, and, the, like, the old men are like, don't let my wife know. <laughs> just, you know, it had to just be uh, just an awful time. Um, a beautiful young blonde named Miriam Williams flirty fished for about five years, from 1973 to 1978, in, in France, Italy, and Monaco, and often enjoyed it. Uh, I went around the world with my fish, says Williams. I wore uh, Dior dresses, ate good food, and drank good wine. I thought I was doing God's work, sharing his love with other people and changing the world. I didn't use condoms but never got pregnant, so I thought it was God's will. Uh, eventually, she married one of her fish. Because they were putting in God's hole. <laughs> she quit betting <laughs> strangers in the name of the Lord. Uh, being moved, or Berg moved from London to, I don't, to Tenerife? Tenerife? K-N-E-R-I-F-E. -E. Uh, in the Canary Islands in 1974. Just say that. You to the Canary yeah, Islands. Let's just get to the Canary Islands. Yeah. Where Zerbi led the charge to reel and fish. Help her, oh God, to catch men, Berg wrote that year. Zerbi had sex 137 times with 18 workers at the Bel Air Hotel, where the group had stayed. Uh, Who is keeping these track of these numbers? Had, so they had a... God. Because where they kept track of like where they two hundred twenty three thousand whatever. Yeah. These were called uh, FF stats. Like they kept official record books. Flirty <laughs> fishing stats. Oh my god. Um, they like released baseball cards yes. and like. <laughs> so eventually, she had sex with a hotel waiter named Carlos, and became pregnant. On January twenty fifth, nineteen seventy five, Richard Peter Rodriguez was born, and we are going to take a break right there. Uh, get an ad in, and then we'll be back with the rest of this story. Gasp. Shock and awe. Chocolate malls. Chocolate malls. We're back season two, motherfuckers! We are back with season two, <laughs> motherfuckers. So, uh, although Berg never formally adopted Ricky, he treated him as a son. Uh, from the moment of birth... 
Ricky, a.k.a. Uh, it's so hard to say. Uh, Davidito. Davidito. Davidito was trumpeted as the Messiah who would lead Berg's flock after the prophet left this earth. I thought it had to be his son. Eh, close enough. He just because he was also fucking her, so like. So you know. Yeah, he was getting that uterus basically ready. Was, basically, yeah. he was getting that what? He was he was getting that uterus ready. Okay. Just just headbutting it. Oh, I got you. Just massaging it with his tip, and then someone was finally able to get some in there. And it was old a, Carlos, it was a hotel waiter. Uh huh. So they got the best stroke. They were usually you know recruiting all these like wealthy people yeah. to help fund the group, and this, she just was like, "How about a hotel waiter?" Mm-hmm. No judgment. No. Um. I mean, I'm judging everybody in this, but not for that. Exactly. Ricky was the prince. We all grew up reading comic book stories about his life, says Gabrielle, Gabriella Thompson. Uh, Ricky an, Martin? An American who was born into the cult. These comics, hundreds strong, like hundreds of comics, uh, depicted every detail of Ricky's life as a toddler and were eagerly devoured by the growing ranks of children of God around the globe. By now, those numbers were more than 3,000 members living in 228 communal homes worldwide. Uh, to the true believers, the day-to-day life of Ricky Rodriguez became more familiar and vastly more important than that of their own children. Ricky may have been the Messiah, but he still had an absentee mom. Zerby was too busy with group business to devote time to childcare. Uh, that task fell to young cult women, two of whom were elite members of Berg's flirty fishing squad. Uh, Sarah Kelly, a.k.a. Sarah Davi- 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 Davito. Davi- 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 I don't Davi- know. Davidito. I don't know why I can't say that. And to a lesser extent, Angela Smith, a.k.a. Susan Joy Cot- Cotton. Uh, they were charged with bathing and dressing Ricky, teaching him the ways of the world. Ricky ate the best food, wore the best clothes, and almost never left Berg's home. Uh, and Hell of a life. So now we're about to get into some shit. Okay. So uh, it's Russ Salen from here on I'm out. buckling up. Uh, Angela was a thin, spacey blonde who had drifted into the cult from her home in Virginia in the early 1970s at the age of 18. And she would spend 30 years as Zerby's personal secretary. She was one of those stupid girls who signed up with the cult and ended up being one of the most dedicated, mindless followers of Berg's inner circle, says Don Irwin, who was born into the group and later angrily abandoned it. Uh, Berg admired Angela for her secretarial skills and her ferocity in the bedroom. He loved that she regularly achieved multiple orgasms and encouraged her to uh, parade around the home wearing just panties or completely nude. Did you you come? Oh, yeah, baby, like four times. (laughs) I feel like you've... Never mind. No, I mean, I'm just saying this fucking guy. Yes, this fucking, fucking guy. Unlike uh, Angela, Sarah had a seductive exterior that concealed a quick temper and a mean streak. Uh, she was perhaps the most fanatical of Berg's disciples. She eagerly offered one of her own daughters, then seven years old, Gross. to Berg for sex. Shut it down. Uh, Start over. An ex-member says most of the other members hated her guts. As many would soon learn... Sarah and Angela's teachings went far beyond kids' games. In 1982, a shop in Spain printed several thousand copies of a book that was then distributed to group members around the world. Uh, Bound in faux leather, illustrated with hundreds of photographs, the 762-page book meticulously chronicled Ricky's young life and was intended as a child-rearing manual for, for families. 
Its title, The Story of Davidito, was stamped in gold. With its combination of earnest prose and unabashed child pornography, it is perhaps the most disturbing book ever published in the name of religion. Jesus. In the book, Ricky, seen at ages between 17 months and 3 years old, is photographed naked in bed with his nanny Sarah, then in her 20s and also nude. One caption shows Ricky, Ricky suckling the breast of a topless Sarah who lies on her back in bed, smiling. The caption, we often had milk before bed. Uh, when Ricky's encounters with cult women are mentioned in the book, he, it is said that he had loved up with them. Sarah wrote, uh, Davidito at 20 months old gets quite, ex- this is so gross. I didn't want to even read this part. I meant to. Oh. Uh, Davidito at 20 months old gets quite excited when I wash his bottom and his penis, peenie, as she wrote, gets real big and hard. I kiss it all over. He gets so excited that he spreads his legs open for more. When playing on the floor, he'll oftentimes spread his legs open for me to kiss his penis. And she also writes, We had a nice picnic lunch right by the riverside near our house. Davidito wanted to bring a blanket and a scented candle so that we could make love. But there were too many people around, so we didn't get to the climax. 20 months old. I'm just staring. Staring at you. I don't even know what. years. I don't know what the fuck. Yeah. This was Ricky's life. Shortly after he could talk, he watched. And the Nirvana kid thought he had it bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shortly after Ricky, Ricky says, talk, hold my beer, he started watching group sex sessions. Uh, uh, he came to think of such activity as just a part of normal existence. Uh, by the age of 10, he was put on the sharing schedules that were lists posted in group homes and dictated when a cult member would have intercourse with a fellow member. Of course, uh, he later wrote, of course, I didn't have to have my arm twisted for that. But I must say it was a bit awkward, especially since I was much younger than most of them were. And I can't. And I could tell that a couple of them were uncomfortable with it. When Ricky turned 12... <laughs> a couple? That's it? Berg assigned him an adult girlfriend, a cult woman named Bonnie. Uh, meanwhile, pedophilia spread through the upper ranks of the group, which by now had been rechristened with an apparent lack of irony called the Family of Love. Uh, Barf. I don't know what the hell age has to do with it when God made them able to enjoy it practically from the time they're born. I hate this guy. Berg in a mo letter. I hate this fucking guy. Yeah. This guy knows, like, the age of consent in every state. Oh, like, sure. just right off the top of you, like, I know. For sure. 15. Uh, I don't even know if that's right or not. What did I just see? It was in. That's insane. So, the, you know the uh, pitch meeting videos? Mm-hmm. Have you watched the one that just came out the other day for uh, the Transformers movie with Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I've never watched the movie because I never watched any of the Transformers. But yeah, I they, there's a whole scene where like he's like showing why it's okay for the guy a, show. A yeah, guy has, like a card and everything's because he's the 19 and the daughter's 17 the daughter's or so. 17. Yeah, something like that. I was like, that's in a movie that was made recently, <laughs> yeah. and like they played it as a joke. Yeah. Yeah. So Hollywood's awful. Hollywood. Everything's awful. Everything's Nothing's, awful. Good. Nothing's good. Uh, I was wanting murder and shit. And you're bringing me this dude, after the flea market. I was on a flea market high. I warned you earlier. Golly. I said I'm bringing it. Uh, Berg continued to push the sexual envelope even further to incest uh, and urged other senior members to follow his lead. 
Deborah Berg resisted her father's advances as a young adult. Um, her other sister, Faithy, which is just the laziest name. <laughs> Faithy? Uh, she did not uh, resist the advances. Mo would masturbate her when she wasn't even yet 10. Come on, man. In the 1980s, girls as young as nine danced in see-through caftans and stripped for the no, leader as no. a camera rolled. I got to kill this guy. One of those dancers was a dark-haired little girl known in the cult as Armendria, uh, who befriended Ricky as a teenager and reconnected with him towards the end of his life. Uh, Berg had sex with her when she was about 13. Um, and this guy's got to be like 60 by now or He's something. like, yeah, he's Fuck. up there. Um, he was 50 in 1969. They're talking about the 80s now. Yeah. Uh, in a home on the outskirts of Manila, another sexual girl fell. One that more than any other would stoke Ricky's fury at his mother, Karen Zerby. It was there around 1987 when Ricky was about 12 that he had sexual intercourse with his mother. Uh, Davida Kelly, then 11, lay on the bed next to them that day, uh, her having sexual contact with David Berg. Uh, she's the daughter of Sarah Dav- Davito, Davidito. Uh, she said it shocked me because as far as I knew, Zerby wasn't having any sexual interaction with any of the children in the home up until that time. Uh, the documentary I watched has a lot of her, like they talk to her a lot <laughs> and she's just like, uh, like now she's a stripper. Um, she's like out of the group, but she's like a stripper now. Yeah. Like, just, even you can like, she's talking about it and like. She's, like, laughing about stuff, but, like, in that way where it's, like, she has nothing else she can do. Yeah. Like, that's, like, other than killing herself. Like, the like, shocking part is that because she's never had sex with children before. Not that her, she's having yeah. sex with her, with yeah. her son. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so she's, like, the same age. Uh, this is uh, the Davida Kelly. She's, like, the same age as Ricky. They Jesus. end up becoming, like, friends. Like, they yeah. stay friends. Um as a prince, Ricky filled a role which bothered him as he grew older. Ricky knew that Berg and Maria never loved him unconditionally. Uh, everybody to them was a puppet, and Ricky included. And even in private moments with his mother, he saw that she had hardened into a fearsome personality. Cold, manipulative, and terrifying. Uh, I mean, how do you not in the circumstances? I mean, yeah. I mean, she brought it upon herself, but that's just... As he moved through his teen years, he began to feel weighed down. Not just by the unwelcome scrutiny brought upon him by the distribution of the Davidito book, but also by his doubts over Berg's increasingly erratic behavior. He was particularly upset by how Berg treated his, got, his granddaughter, uh, Mary Berg, known in the family as Miney, or it's Meany, I can't remember how it's pronounced, M-E-N-E, a uh, really good brand new song. Um, uh, her father, Berg's son, Aaron, had committed suicide in 1973 at the age of 25. That's a common theme with this group. Yeah. People eventually kill themselves a lot. Just like the Von Erichs. <laughs> yes. Uh, by the age of 11 in 1983, uh, Meany was drinking wine and watching adult videos at a family facility in Greece. Later, at his compound in the Philippines, a drunken Berg repeatedly fondled her while Zerby watched. Uh, uh, Meany slept in a walk-in closet adjacent to the Berg's bedroom. Years later, in an email to a friend, Ricky wrote... Uh, her own grandfather, under the guise of bringing her into his home to be a safe haven, really just wanted to get into her pants. Because after all, he liked doing his daughter so much. The granddaughter must be all that much more excited. Uh, and then Ricky also was forced to be one of her sexual partners. Well, season two has been great so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm going to need another six weeks after this. <laughs> right, I, 
I mean, I've had to read this and hear this a couple times now. Fuck. Um, Can we just talk about the dude that cuts off the other dude's dick and eats it, and they're both into it, and they're consenting, and it's normal? (laughs) Like, that seems normal. Yeah, that seems real normal. Um, Where am I out of here? Uh, (laughs) Sorry. He was having sex with his granddaughter. So, yeah, she's, uh, uh, unfortunately, um, so, where am I getting here? Oh, so Karen Zerby became uh, jealous of her. Mm-hmm. Because David Berg was giving his granddaughter jealous of her granddaughter, Je- yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so yeah. Well, I guess yeah. She was worried that he she was going to become Moe's next wife, so uh, she had mean. So mean, instead of being worried for the little girl, she's worried for herself yes. and her placement. And yes, so fuck um, her. So Zerby sent Meanie many. Um, to a commune in Macau, Macau, however it said, and Meanie was locked in a room for six months. She was tied to a bed and beaten, thrown against the walls, and even forced to undergo multiple exorcisms. Uh, Sarah Davidito often supervised the abuse, sometimes assaulting the girl herself. She would cry, and they would just beat her more, says a former cult member who left in 1991. Every day, Ricky would see the new cuts or bruises on her. She'd ask him for help. But he couldn't do anything uh, because he knew that everybody was in on it and was a part of it. Yeah. Um, he would continually have nightmares about seeing her screaming in that basement. Eventually, in the early 90s, she was institutionalized in Texas. Uh, today, she is a frail, this would have been written a few years back, so probably like 40-year-old, addicted to meth, oh. turning tricks on Southern California beaches and struggling to stay alive. Uh a friend says that she's just given up. Um, she's basically just committing suicide. Slowly. White men are the fucking worst. The worst. Jesus the Christ. goddamn worst. White men in power. Um, any any power. Well, this was okay. So the of course he was fucking. He was sexually assaulting her. Yeah. But like he's not even the one that sent her to get like that's, yeah. That's Karen Berg. Yeah. So but it's because that, yeah that was also fell yeah. underneath this white man this man's spell you know just because um, this guy had to get fucking off so Jesus. as word of his more egregious practices spread outside the group he ordered some changes in family policy in 1986 he instituted a ban on adult minor sex so you know hey we gotta draw a line somewhere and, uh, clean up our act yeah uh the following right year, around the birth of nickelodeon the following year he called a halt to flirty fishing uh, mostly because of the AIDS crisis that was going on at the time. Mm. Um, and he directed all copies of the Davidito book be destroyed. That's evidence. That's ev- that's what they call evidence. Yeah. So every time law enforcement agencies around the world would come after the family, uh, its leaders would work hard to duck any accountability. Investigations in Argentina, Italy, Australia, Spain, France, and the Philippines brought bad publicity and resulted in the temporary removal of hundreds of children from group homes. In each case, however... Charges were eventually dropped due to lack of evidence. Uh, according to sources, the family was by that time communicating via military-grade encrypted email. The largest investigation of the group took place in England in the early 1990s, when the grandmother of a young boy living with his mother and the family petish- petitioned a British jurist, Lord Justice Ward, oh. hell of a name, uh, for custody. He ordered a sweeping investigation of family doctrines and activities, and personally interviewed a, mem- a number of abuse victims, uh, mean- Meanie included, finding the torture she suffered to be barbaric and cruel. However, 
The judge found that the family had sufficiently cleaned up its act and allowed the boy to remain in his mother's care. Thank goodness. Like, no, they're good now. They said that you can have... Yeah. We stopped it. Uh, by now, uh, Berg's health was failing. I feel like they need Chris Hansen. They need, yeah, they need like an army. They're like, Mo, have a seat over here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his health We've been reading your, your cryptid emails. Uh, intestinal problems plagued him, and his mind was going. Behind Fuck the scenes, Zerby took over the drafting of Mo letters. By all accounts, she reveled in the extra authority. Uh, Maria turned into a power happy maniac. A power. A I can totally picture this fucking lady. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Berg spent his final years at a secret compound in Portugal. By 1993, when Ricky was 19, the family claimed a membership of 12,000 <sighs> in 70 countries. Um, the following year, Moses David died at the age of 75. And was buried in Costa da Caparica, Portugal. A little so applause for that. There and shit on his grave. Just fucking shit all over it. Uh, in a very smooth transition, Mama Maria took over family leadership. Mama Maria! Alongside her longtime lover, Peter Amsterdam. <laughs> that is not his name! <laughs> a bearded, bespectacled native of New York who adopted the moniker King Peter. <laughs> and is thought to have controlled the group's finances. Uh, like Berg, Zerby, and King Peter lived in hiding. Um, based on a loving Jesus revelation, Zerby claimed she received in 1995, family members were taught that Jesus wants to have sex with them. When masturbating, men were instructed to visualize, them, visualize themselves as women so that Jesus could make love to them. So, okay, you know, I mean, I hate to kink shame. That's not my thing. <laughs> but you do you. Yeah, like no one's gonna tell me how to masturbate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, that is the one thing I have control over. Yeah. Uh, Ricky became increasingly mortified by the story of David Ifto. He objected when anyone called him by that name. Um, let me see. Uh, so Ricky didn't want any part of the plan. He was trying to get the hell at like just. Didn't want to be involved in this anymore. During a brief visit to a family home outside Budapest in 95, Ricky met and fell in love with a voluptuous, dark-haired, 17-year-old girl, Alexia, uh, who had left Ecuador at the age of 14 at the direction of her father, also a cult leader that was based in England. <laughs> your dad's a cult leader? My, My dad's a cult leader. Uh, and you're volu volu voluptuous. Voluptuous. In Budapest, I can't even say it. Ricky encountered something else that altered his shattered world: a dose of reality. Uh, Ricky was always the chosen one, but we didn't treat him that way," says Tiago, a former family member who met Ricky in Budapest. We thought of him as someone who needed a friend. Uh, Ricky was pretty happy in his Budapest home. There weren't like the family rules that like, there were in other places he had been. Uh, he had a lot of freedom. He would be able to just kind of take off on his own. At age 20, he left Budapest for Russia. Uh, him and the family drove around in vans. Um, people say he had the time of his life, just partying, staying out as late as he wanted. People actually liked him for who he was, not who he was supposed to be. He was always, there was no book to him. <laughs> he was always humble Making and soft-spoken. Uh, and he never acted like what he was supposed to be, like a yeah. prince, you know. Um, for a time, he came to life, but it wouldn't last. Aww. Zerby ordered him to return to the compound in Portugal. Only when she grudgingly allowed her son to bring Elixia did Ricky 
uh, agree to come back. With Rick mingling with the general population now, Zerby was very worried that he was talking openly about all the sexual excesses and pedophilia that he grew up with. He was starting to talk to people and work up back to her. Shh, shh, don't tell no one, back. Ricky. Um, as he headed back to Mama, Mama Maria's compound, he was in turmoil. He questioned the family's approach to religion and thought of leaving the cult. Deep down inside, he didn't believe in all the prayer and the trusting in God, Tiago says. In fact, Ricky had stopped believing in God altogether. Um, but he was hesitant to walk away from the church. He knew that children of early members had fared disastrously after leaving the call behind. Alcoholism was a common uh, issue. Female members had often drifted into stripping and prostitution. And in recent years, a wave of suicides decimated this damaged collection of young people who seemed to, be find, who seemed to find living in the system too much to bear. Uh, Josh Likens, who left the family at the age of 18 after suffering physical abuse, shot him in the, himself in the head on January 26, 1999. In Arizona, uh, ben, ben Farnsworth, the son of a top family leader, jumped to his death from a roof of a building in Hong Kong. Jeez. Uh, family leadership says that there's only been about 13 suicides in the past 10 years. Or 10 suicides. Puts the number of suicides in the past 13 years at 10. Uh, but most say that it's actually somewhere in the mid-30s. Uh, still, call leaders talk that there were things worse than death. Uh, ever since childhood, an ex-member says you were told it would be spiritual suicide to leave the leave the family. Ricky f took up a ancient form of self-defense. He visited other communal homes in Canada, England, and Venezuela, uh, but nothing seemed to motivate him except the prospect of revenge. I had to act different parts and play different roles all my life, and I was just plain tired of it. Ricky wrote to one of the family's top leaders on November 26, 2000. A month later, in an email to a former leader, Ricky's tone darkened. I didn't appreciate being treated like a commodity by my mother. Some days I have come so close to snapping and going back to the compound, but not for a social visit and not as a prodigal son, but as an Avenger. As an Arn Anderson visit. Uh, yes. I don't see why <laughs> yeah, this clock. I don't see why I should have to pay for their sins. Uh, Ricky formerly broke from the family a few weeks later and moved to Tacoma, Washington to look for work. Uh, for a while, an embarrassed Zerby, Karen Zerby, kept Ricky's departure secret from family members. Life in Tacoma, Arizona, meanwhile, did not turn out to be the fresh start Ricky had hoped for. As much as he detested the family, he struggled outside a support system. I mean, how could you... I, I just feel like that would be so... Come into the real world. Yeah. Uh, unemployed, he crashed at friends' apartments, sleeping on the floor. Zerby would send him $500 a month, but that would disappear quickly. Uh, for three months, Ricky signed on to a fishing boat out of Alaska, but hated that job, calling it my idea of hell. Uh, Elixia joined him in Tacoma in 2001. That's pretty much any job, though, to yeah, be fair. Yeah. She and Ricky married and found a tiny apartment in a low-rent neighborhood. Uh, the young couple was so unsophisticated, they were baffled to learn that the place didn't come with furniture. Uh. Uh, we had no credit, no driving records, no renter's history, Elixia says. We didn't even know how to write checks. Rifty. Rifty. Ricky drifted through menial jobs and grew more depressed. I'm not going anywhere with this, he said to Elixia. I'm better than this. I've got a brain. An ad for an electrician's apprentice caught his eye in 2002. It was an occupation, finally, that Ricky enjoyed. He worked for $12 an hour and took classes at night. Ricky and Elixia concealed their cult backgrounds from the new circle of friends. Uh, Ricky wanted to get away from everything, says Elixia, who found a job as a secretary for a logging firm. 
He stopped talking to most of his old, old friends. But we he, let you sleep on our couch, motherfucker! But when he talked about care and his blood would boil. Uh, he quit socializing. When he wasn't working, he stayed home. He would just tell Lexia that he can't let go of his past. She recommended they see a psychiatrist. Uh, he said if anyone listened to me, they would stick me in a crazy house. <laughs> um, he was terrified of being institutionalized like Meanie had been. Yeah. Um, it was actually like one of his biggest nightmares. Coming home from work one day, uh, Ricky had a car accident on the freeway. It was only a, f- a fender bender, but he kind of just snapped. He told Alexia, I'm just existing. I just don't want to do this anymore. I have to go. I've got things I need to take care of. In June 2004, Ricky packed up and left. Uh, alone, he drifted to San Diego and stayed with two former family members, both now 31, uh, Armendria and Serafina. Sarah, a glamorous redhead who works as an office manager for a commercial sport fishing business. Serafina had left the cult, but her uncle, known within the family as Gabe, still holds a senior position. Gabe has been one of Zerby's closest confidants for years. Another pair of former cult members, Nikki Sherborough and her husband Ron, owned a contracting company and took Ricky on as an electrician. He threw himself into the gig and seemed calm and pleasant. Uh, below the surface, however, though, his anger was burning and growing. Every single moment of every single day, I think about how to pay them back, he had told a friend. Uh, he chose not to go to the authorities, though. He felt no one was going to listen to him since the story was like 20 years old at this yeah. point. Uh, he hoped to locate Gabe, who lived in the area that he was in, or at the very least spy on the Family Care Foundation, which was a charity organization that is a front for the group. Uh, he also wanted to gather intelligence about Zerby. Ricky adopted a conciliatory, even complimentary tone with family members he spoke to, hoping to lure the leaders out of hiding. He went on a public relations push, Serafina says. Instead of ranting against his mother, he spoke respectfully of her to any cult member he came across. Ricky was looking for a connection, says Tiago, uh, his friend from Budapest, in whom Ricky confided in hour-long phone conversations during his final, re- final weeks. Suicide was always on my mind in regards to Ricky. Uh, throughout that last summer in San Diego, Ricky worked out daily as a training for a mission. Serafina kept him busy and distracted, uh, sailing and jet skiing, things he'd never done before. Back in Tacoma, Alexia enrolled in nursing classes and talked to her husband regularly by phone. Uh, everybody could see something was going on with Ricky, though. Uh, Amandria says she grew worried. She just saw something in his eyes that started to scare her. Uh, one day in August, Ricky phoned his grandparents. Karen Zerby's parents and Tucson and learned a fact that froze him in his tracks. That previous Christmas, they'd received a rare visit from their daughter, mm. the ever elusive Mama Maria. Ricky started to wonder if she might ever come back. By now, uh, Angela Smith, the one that was a uh, babysitter of his and oh, yeah. assistant to Karen, uh, she She's was no all longer, over them baby legs. She was no longer sequestered in family homes. Um, she'd moved to Palo Alto, California, fallen in love with a local contractor, and found a job in a restoration hardware store. Though it had been reported that she had left the cult, she remained in close contact with its leaders, including Karen Zerby, and sat on the board of directors for Elder Haven, a small nursing home owned by Zerby's parents in Tucson. Uh, through his connections with former cult members, Ricky learned that Smith occasionally visited Tucson. Um, so Ricky left San Diego, moved to Tucson, Staying first with his aunt, uh, Rosemary, which was Zerby's sister, who she hated the fuck. She shunned the cult. I was the worst yeah. thing ever. Uh, 
life in the home of Rosemary was full of children. It was all, it was very chaotic, but in a wonderful way, Ricky would say. Um, he slept on the couch and just marveled at how much like affection was in the home and like not like terrible. Not like the bad you know. kind, yeah. He says he never knew that a family could even be like this. That's sad. Uh, eventually, he took a $450 a month apartment in a crummy complex in a bleak, ignored section of the city. A local electrician named Mark Flynn hired him at $15 an hour. Ricky's work ethic impressed Flynn. Uh, when Flynn tried to give R- Ricky a raise, Ricky refused. Uh. He said, if you give me another buck an hour, he said, I'll quit. When Flynn asked about his background, Ricky said he just traveled with missionaries. Uh, Ricky's uh, aunt Rosemary said that Ricky she, must have known mo money mo problems. problems. She said that he uh, enough problems. She always knew she was going to lose him. She said that a couple days before he died, he that he had told her he couldn't go on, um, and she didn't know what to do for him. She picked up some hints from that. Yeah, she's like, "Kick along." <laughs> Wonder what he means. So in January. <coughs> Angela Smith shows up in Tucson. Bum, uh, bum, she had kind of heard through the grapevine that Ricky was um, speaking very well about the family uh, and seemed to be wanting to make connections with him again. John Rick. So she agreed to meet, meet him for dinner. Um, Ricky figured if anybody knew where Karen or his mother lived, it would be Angela Smith. On Thursday, January 6th, Ricky asked Mark Flynn if he could take Friday off, something he'd never done before. Uh, Flynn agreed. That weekend, also for the first time, Ricky didn't take his tool, tools home. I'll get him on Monday, he told uh, That night, Ricky began uh, drinking. He set up a uh, camera. Some 41 was blasting on the stereo. And he makes a video. This video is online. If anybody wants to watch it. Um... Where is our apology? They're not even fucking sorry, he says. As he's like, you can see him like loading his weapons up. Um, all of a sudden, to hear one day, guess what? Karen is fucking dead. Yeah, somebody went into her house or her fucking motorhome or whatever and poured gasoline on her. Lit a match at a fucking barbecue. Can you imagine? I would actually be able to go on with my life. I've tried for four years, he says. Sure, it's not long. It feels like a fucking lifetime. Every fucking day has been a little bit worse for me than the day before. God. It's a need for revenge. It's a need for justice because I can't go on like this. He calls his old friend Tiago at his home in New Mexico and promises in the video he just made, uh, but wouldn't give him any hints about his contents. Did you find your mom, Tiago asked. I found the solution, Ricky said. It's all in the video. Dude, you really sound happy for a change, says Tiago. Yeah, I'm drunk, Ricky said. Uh, So dressed in black pants and a gray top, Angela Smith came to Ricky's small South Tucson apartment the next day. Ricky talked about the abuses he suffered and the pain that would not go away. But Smith just didn't seem to get it. She couldn't understand why Ricky was angry at the family and his mother. Uh, so no one knows if Ricky asked Smith to reveal Zerby's whereabouts or if she refused. What is known is that Ricky picked up a K-bar knife and stabbed Smith at least five times, spilling her blood on the cheap carpet and on his clothes. For good measure, Ricky also drew the knife... Uh, across Smith's throat. Ah. One of her shoes flew off during the struggle. When it was over, Ricky tossed the K-bar on the living room sofa and fled the apartment. Uh, so he was definitely, whether he did or not, he was definitely planning on torturing her. I heard he just tossed the knife under the sofa like that's going to yeah. do anything. Well, he isn't trying to cover it up. Yeah. So like, he doesn't give a shit. Um, but like in the video, he 
shows off like his weapons. You know? Yeah. And he's saying like, um, I'm not fucking trained to. Uh, uh, we're looking for torture people. Yeah, he's like, I'm not fucking trained for that. He's like, but I'll do whatever I have to do. Ah. He's like picking up different things that he can use. Yeah, he got like a drill and taped it up. Like there's a ton of duct tape on it. And he's like, he's like, in case you guys wonder why the duct tape was on there, it's to muffle the sound. He's like, I'm in fucking apartments. I don't need hear people to hear what I'm doing. And like he had like a big like fork thing that you would use on a grill uh-huh. he's like i don't know what the fuck this thing is but he's like i'm pretty sure you can torture somebody really well oh, like he's got his so brain yeah <clears throat> i mean i hate to say it but you can't i mean you can kind of see what broke him oh i mean yeah <laughs> kind of <laughs> years of yeah jesus um he was wearing black sketcher shoes jeans and a dark gray t-shirt he slid behind the wheel of a silver chevy cavalier and sped north on i-10 uh, into the desert towards Phoenix. Driving, he called Alexia several times on a cell phone. Uh, the first call came at 7.15 p.m. Killing somebody is harder than I thought it would be, he says. Uh, even as Smith was bleeding to death, Ricky told Alexia she still had no idea that she'd ever done anything wrong. Uh, Alexia called the Lakewood Police Department near her home to report the murder. Snitches get But stitches. was brushed off as providing unreliable information. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. To verify that. Like, are you there to yeah. do it? No. Nice try, concerned citizen. <laughs> we know your type. Yeah. Uh, at a rest stop, Ricky called Alexia again, crying. No, I don't want to die here, he said. There's too much light. I don't feel comfortable. Uh, in the town of Blythe, California, between 10 p.m. and midnight, he checked into a Holiday Inn, paying $100 for room 109. There he showered and polished off some beers and some beef jerky. Uh, Gross! Uh, Heineken's beef I jerky. hate That's... beef jerky. <laughs> you, sir, <laughs> have no business being here. I have a fine bag of it. Oh, God. Uh, returning to his car, Ricky drove three-quarters of a mile parked in the driveway of the Palo Verde Irrigation District Office. It was coming up on 2 a.m. He had stopped calling Alexia. He put down his phone in the Cavalier Center console, raised the Glock to his right temple, and pulled the trigger. Five hours later, a man arriving for work noticed the car, and Ricky slumped in the driver's seat, blood on his left ear. Uh, Detective Sergeant Jeff Wade of the Blythe Police Department responded. Peering into the car, Wade saw a cell phone on the right front passenger seat plugged into the lighter. Uh, at 9.49, just after the coroner arrived, the cell phone rang, and Alexia answered. Is he dead? She immediately asked. Uh, not yet able to make a positive identification of the body, Wade, uh, Sergeant Wade told Alexia that he was simply investigating the death of a male subject. She exploded into hysterical crying. Shell-shocked ex-family members speculated about Ricky's intentions. Most believed he wanted to kill Zerby, but settled for Angela Smith. Uh, some felt certain that after the murder, he was headed to San Diego to kill senior family officials, including Gabe. The fact that he ended up in Blythe simply indicated he'd taken a wrong turn. Uh, speculation also centered on Sarah Davidito, one of Ricky's chief abusers, who lived in Texas. Friends now say Ricky had originally planned to kill her instead of Smith, but was talked out of it because killing Sarah would leave her children without their mother. Um, Sarah Davidito is believed to currently be hiding in Mexico. <laughs> Family leadership ultimately or immediately began a public campaign to disparage their dead messiah, uh, portraying him as falling under the spell of disgruntled ex-members. Spokeswoman Claire Borowick called Ricky an obviously disturbed young man acting out his misplaced anger. 
As the story went to press, the family spin machine based in Washington, D.C. swept into overdrive. A flurry of emails arrived at the Rolling Stones' offices, purportedly from members around the world, uh, extolling the group. Uh, I have everything that my heart could desire, and throughout the course of life, living as a missionary has taught me priceless lesson, wrote Nix Martinez. I kill myself. I'm definitely not brainwashed. I think I would definitely know. Not. I would know. Uh, I kill myself luckier than other 24-year-olds. Lori Richard, Richards, who has lived in 15 countries, wrote, uh, I have been blessed with a type of world education that few have the opportunity to enjoy. All I had to do was have sex with old men as a yeah. child. Uh, all of their writing was very erotic. Or, <laughs> robotic. Um, seemed like they were definitely being like... Uh, Checked and you know, yeah, brainwashed. Well, like even the messages were like, let's make these perfect. Let's make these exactly what we want. To They're groomed, like, groomed. Yeah. Um, Mark Flynn opened his mailbox in Tucson two days after the murder to find a two-page handwritten note from Ricky. Uh, it says, "I don't want to live in a world where perverts, as sick as those, get away with it, are not sorry in the least, and then call us the bad guys for being angry at it." Bush and John Kerry stood up there during election time and both talked repeatedly about hunting down the terrorists and killing them. Well, my question is, what kind of terrorism is worse than molesting, raping, and torturing little children? Uh, Zerbe's, Karen Zerby's exact whereabouts, whereabouts remain unknown. Sources say that after the murder, she quickly fled wherever she was last living and may have moved to New Mexico or Colorado. Mm, plus, they have, tie, they have like ties overseas like and stuff, so yeah. yeah. She was last known to be uh, living in an RV. Um, hopefully she's dead. Hopefully. I, get, I think they said that, like, the last time people really were, she was going blind. Yeah. So, like, hopefully she's just miserable. And, too much masturbation. Like, hopefully she's not dead. Hopefully she's just fucking yeah, miserable. Yeah, miserable. That'd be good, too. Um, for years, by remaining out of sight, unphotographed, Karen Zerby, like Berg before her, had helped fuel her, mis- fuel her mystery and her power. Uh, all that changed in March, and two months after the violence, <coughs> when in an unprecedented breach of security, recent pictures of Zerby were posted on an anti-family website, xfamily.org. Um, if you guys want to kind of dive deeper into this, that's a really good source. They've got the whole history of them. They've got the uh, fucking people who are involved in this. Uh-huh. Uh, they've got, like, groups that the family like, fronts that they use. It's a lot of information on there. Um, xfamily.org. The photos were apparently taken by a traitor in, her, in Karen's inner circle. Um, she's wearing a silk dress with a plunging neckline, smiling, a blissful, toothy smile. <laughs> Bimber, buck tooth. Yeah. Uh, beneath a pair of her unstylish, unstylish eyeglasses. Oh, yeah, it was the same chick that I was felt bad for earlier. Yeah. Yeah, fuck so, her. Uh, her long silver hair falling past her shoulders. She looks like an aging hippie. Uh, for many family members, it is the first picture they had seen of Zerby in more than 20 years. Then Mama Maria fought back. She put up a website of her own, rickyrodriguez.com, chock full of never be, never seen before photos of Ricky as a child, grinning and playing. Look how happy he is! Uh, the Lord, Zerby reported, had talked to her directly about her dead son. I know he'll take care of you for me until we meet again. And that's the story of the Children of God cult and Ricky Rodriguez. Well, that was season two. That I shit's was, over. I was very disappointed. I mean, not that I think Ricky didn't 
do what he could do. Yeah. But the whole time I was, like, watching the documentary and reading the story. Like, I was just really go hoping, kill them all? Yeah. I was hoping for, like, a real good revenge. That's why I said John Rick. It's like John Wick. Yes, but, but it's John, John Rick. Because Rick. Ricky. Yeah. Uh, okay. I would, you know. But I don't know. Like, if the guy, if he kills the first woman and... Like, you know, does he realize, like, fuck, I can't do this. Like, yeah, what's like, the point like, of just like, more? I can't keep killing people. Yeah. Like, that was awful. He even said, like, killing someone's not as easy as I thought it would be. It's hard. <laughs> it's difficult. Take it from me. Uh, yeah, so a bunch of people in that one that, you know, like. There's not saying, many people to cheer for. Kind of fuck Karen Zerby, but at the same <laughs> time, like, she was brainwashed yeah. the same way a lot of others were, so. When you cross that line, it's like a brainwashed victim to a willing but, you know, participant. If you, go, if you want to keep going back, David Berg, uh, his mother and his nanny, apparently. Uh, Seems like they both abused him in yeah. different ways. So, people are fucked up. The world's fucked up. World's people fucked are fucked up. up. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. So, cool. Cool. That's what I wanted to bring back. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought me back down to earth here. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I was wondering these past six weeks you've gotten too good of a positive outlook. Uh-huh. I figured, you know, Nailed it. positivity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I just want to bring you back down. Good work. So, you're welcome. Good work. How dare you start to be happy. <laughs> uh, Don't worry about that. But, do you, uh, can you wash off a little bit of this uh, filth? With you uh, you, you want to feel good? You want to feel Let's go feel good. Play the music! Feels good. Feels good. Yeah. Feels good. We're back. I've been reborn. First feel feel good of season two. Uh huh. What do you got for us? Okay, this is uh, I don't have the story in front of me, but we talked about we it. We talked about it. Uh, yeah, go ahead. A thirty-year-old Texas mom, dressed up as a middle schooler, stole her daughter's ID and documented herself. Sneaking into school with a mask on to show how easy it was and to draw attention to how bad security was. And went through the whole day until the last period, finally got caught, and then she was arrested for trespassing and falsifying. Uh, tampering with government records. Can't, yeah, tampering with government records. And, of course, she did it for attention. Yeah. <laughs> she claims it's, you know, the, the draw. Yeah. So. She, she tanned herself, which I thought was an odd Mm-hmm. And then she like got fake glasses, a big Marvel hoodie. Mm-hmm. She's like four foot eleven, hundred five pounds. Yeah, four foot eleven, five hundred five pounds. Yeah, so oh, I do remember more of that uh, story than I thought. Her name was her name. Her name is Casey Casey Garcia. Yep, thirty of San Elizario, Texas. Uh, she was charged with criminal trespass and tra- tampering with government records. She's four foot eleven, hundred five pounds. Uh, and she posts this video where she's on YouTube showing her getting prepared for the stunt, including the glasses, a hooded sweatshirt with Marvel heroes, uh, dyed her hair, used skin tanner. Um, Just ridiculous. She's walking through the halls of the school, interacting with some of the school officials. Even the principal talked to her. Yeah. Um, but she's got like so she's got the hood pulled up. Yeah. She's got the glasses on. She's got the mask on. She is four foot eleven. Yep. She's one hundred and five pounds. But she got them big old mom titties. She does have big mom titties. <laughs> but the hoodie definitely kind of covers those. Yeah, up. I guess so. So, she says that the school asked for her ID number. Um, she used her daughter's ID. She says school officials were more concerned with her not putting her cell phone away than, than her identity. Um, 
She said she was she remained very complimentary of teachers, uh, uh, but they. Um, but <laughs> she, said that, she said that they were unable to focus on students physically at the school because they were also trying to teach students online. So they were distracted. Um, she says that she didn't do this to ruffle any feathers. I didn't do this to out the school. What? Did uh, why else? So she did. She did it as a social experiment yeah. to prove that. There needed to be more security in the school. That she could pass as a 12-year-old. To that I say, yes, you're 4 foot 11, <laughs> 105 pounds, yeah. wearing a mask, a hoodie, dyed hair, uh-huh. glasses. Yeah. Like I, like he said, I don't think you and I can get away with it. Yeah. Like now if we go in and try to prove this point, uh-huh. I think we're going to quickly figure out the, the school does have plenty yeah, of security. Yeah, pretty good security. Yeah. Um. The video got more than 270,000 views, of course, uh, because this lady the worst things is do. probably just so happy with herself. Um, she was later arrested. But the feel good is that she was arrested. Yeah. That's what made me feel good. At least she got arrested for this. She says that um, there's been too many, there have been one too many mass shootings. So. She was doing this to show how easy it is to get into the school. Yeah. So, I mean, we could, you know, pass some laws that would help control things. Yeah. But, no, this seems like the better way to. Yeah. Don't control guns. Just get more security. Yeah. More guns, I think, is what she wants. She said, I mean, I'm no spring chicken, but it wasn't hard. I made it to all seven periods. Okay. So she has really good attention. She's a great student. (laughs) Um, that would be a nightmare, too, by the way. To have to sit in school all day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she got arrested. Um, I think she's... She told parents that the district had contacted authorities and would be pursuing a legal case as well as any other options available to address the issue. I hope somebody... Another parent sues her. I do, too. Yeah. Uh, when the police arrive to arrest her, um, she repeatedly informs them that she's not resisting arrest. Recorded that. She says, did you guys see the video? Uh, some, one of the officers says he has not. And she says, I posed the seventh grader. And it went viral. So she's bragging. Yeah. I got, they're like, yes, that's why we're here to arrest yeah. you. So, yeah, I mean. We're not yeah. arresting you for being super cool, ma'am. And smart. Yeah. And her daughter was even quoted as oh, saying, yeah. Mom! <laughs> yes, thank you. But, so we get the real news. We get the yeah. real. We dig in. Oh, we, she's we like, well, I'm in. not going to that school again. Thanks, mom. And then there was a laugh track. She's like, sure, I made out. Well, I better not even joke about that. Yeah, the last story. Uh, she made out with the 12 year old boy just to right. just to try to fit in. Allegedly. Allegedly. I should also mention that other than the fact that Ricky Rodriguez uh, killed himself, uh, everything else in that story is alleged. Okay. So, I'm not saying any of it's 1,000% truth. Yeah. I'm just saying that's the story that's out there. All this is allegedly. Yes. We're, so, we might not even be recording this. <laughs> I hope so. I hope the copy art. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. After that, all that fucking testing, we better be recording yeah. this. Uh, see, I wanted to come back. Oh, the God. Punch of the story. I'll see you in another six weeks. Uh, but, but it's October. Uh-huh. It's, it's spooky season. It's spooktober. I think next week we do it. We've talked about yeah, it. I you think, want to? I think that's it's a lot on you. I think next week it's a lot is on our. You, buddy. Can we just say what we're calling it? Go ahead and just get that out. Do you want to? Yeah. What was it? It's called a real crime. Was it? 
But it's real R E E L. That's right. Real crime. And I'm uh, gonna take a movie and kind of do it like one of our murder stories, exactly. like it was a real event. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we've talked. I've talked about it for a while. Yeah, so I've switched a couple of movies, but I think I got a good movie now, right. and I'm gonna watch it. Well, and, I'm putting that on your shoulders. All right, I'm taking it. All right. I don't have comedy. I don't have another comedy show for at least another month. Hopefully, I get something booked in the meantime. But well, you got a week. I only need a week. Yeah, so I definitely don't have a comedy show this week. Oh man, now I have to watch a movie. Yeah. So you've got yeah. I only watched TV ten hours a day. I'll try to fit it try in to there. Try to figure it. In. You got about a, you got about a week. All right. So that'll be our next episode. I uh, hope you guys dug this one for the other two episodes in October. Uh, I will make oh, sure. Talk about our Mothman. What the guy said when we posted the oh, Mothman so interview. I'll make sure our next two uh, October episodes after next week's are like Halloween, uh-huh. spooky related of some sort. Might do another like story on a cryptid, uh, like uh, Bigfoot or Flatwoods monster, but. In case you guys haven't heard, uh, I, a lot of our, one of our most popular episodes is the episode we did on the Mothman, uh, and we were able to follow that episode up with while we were on our break. Our uh-huh. break, we got the exclusive interview with the Mothman. The Mothman, Gene Mothman. Yep. As you will learn if you go back and you need to all go listen to the episode. It's about thirty some minutes. We got a, it's an interview with Gene Mothman. Uh, real informative. Real informative. Yeah. Tells you a lot about the Mothman that no one's ever known. Um, yeah. Talks about some of his uh, his feelings on being, mon- you know, like the, the whole a whole town uh-huh. monetizing his image. Yeah. And him not getting any of that. Poor guy. Uh, hating West Virginia. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't a fan. Uh, but anyways. Well, that's Tom Selleck. So we post. I f- there's, a, there's a subreddit where you can post uh-huh. podcasts, stuff like that. And then there's like a cryptid. Sub that, like, with you know, it talks about Mothman and Sasquatch and all that. So I post on there just, hey, episode whatever, exclusive interview with Mothman. <laughs> you sound so stupid. Exclusive interview with Mothman. Uh, within the hour, a comment was made. Actually, from somebody that says, I don't even have to listen to this to know it's not real. <laughs> So our charade didn't even last so, an hour. I can't believe someone <laughs> saw through it so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even have to listen they to it. Listen to yeah. I'd be like, hmm, I should at least listen to this. Yeah, I mean, you know. And I'm not saying it is or it isn't real. That's, you need to listen to I mean, it, and listen. you need to find out for yeah. yourself. Yeah, you let, being the listener, not don't you. Let some fucker on Reddit. <laughs> His mom's basement. Actually, check that out. Yeah, um, it was like I said, it was posted uh, during our little hiatus. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a fun interview. Sure, informative, like Joel said. I was there. You were there. Uh, <laughs> but I hope you did that. I hope you guys. Uh, I mean, I hope you guys didn't like this episode, but I hope yeah. it was like uh, and informative story, entertaining. I guess I guess. Uh, I, not, so, too, not too entertaining. You know, these fucking like religious cults. Yeah, it's always. You know, the old white guy just wants to fuck a bunch yeah, of women. Yeah, sex and power. Like, do they all realize that, like, they, they can all abandon this bullshit Jesus and Christian and God shit? Uh-huh. Like, it's what Satanism is. Just open up a trailer park. Satanism is, like, all about, like, the, you know, just, hey, fucking... Yeah. But don't fuck kids. Yeah. I don't want you fucking kids. But, like, free love and, like, they can just go and be, like... You don't have to... take those... They don't you don't have, have to be God, stuff. yeah. But they can just adopt the same ideals uh-huh. without pretending that they don't, they don't want it. Just be that. a bunch of whores, man. If that's what you want to be, be a whore. Uh, just the... You don't have to, like, ruin lives because of it. 
I would like if this show became us traveling the country or the world, uh, finding cult leaders, and you know, like in Clerks or what movie is it with James on the Bob where like they go to the homes? Clerks Two. And they just beat the shit. Yeah. Like, ding dong. Uh huh. Beat the shit. I want to do that. Okay, let's go. I think it'd be awesome. Give to our Patreon so we can do that. Yes, we don't have one yet. But <laughs> oh, okay. We, have one. Uh, but you we can, can donate on Anchor.fm. Yeah, you can go in there and subscribe. That. Be a member. Um, but all right, let's get out of here. Till next week. We'll Season back. two. We'll be back next week with real, real crime. R e e l. See you then. Bye.